Forgotten what rush hour in a big city looks like, the Swedes are here to remind us. Cafes, restaurants, and shops never shut here. Instead, Swedes did what they were told on social distancing and good hygiene. It's not a complete success. Over 5,800 died, far more than their Nordic neighbors. Sweden was one of the few countries to avoid a lockdown earlier this year, relying instead on voluntary measures. Following a spike in new cases and ICU beds filling up, Sweden has resorted to its toughest restrictions yet. The streets of Sweden's capital are quiet. A second wave of COVID is sweeping through Stockholm. Hospital admissions with COVID are doubling every week, the fastest rate in Europe. The country that criticized lockdowns and face masks and let COVID spread is now paying a heavy price. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas and wow, that looks very scary. Zombie apocalypse. This looks looks terrible. Um you're watching that there, Dr. Sebastian Rushworth. And uh, I'm, I'm amazed that you're still alive. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, shocking to me too. Congratulations on, um, on surviving the zombie apocalypse. Um, I am very uh, happy to have you joining me from Stockholm. So you are a physician uh, with uh, lots of experience in, in the ICU. Uh, and uh, no, not. Not ICU. I work in the emergency room. So the emergency room, it's where you meet people when they come into the hospital and then you decide whether they're going to be admitted or whether they're going home. So I don't work in the ICU. Okay, but you're still in a very important position uh, when it comes to um, hospitals. And and mm. your strength your strength is evidenced based medicine evidence based science following you on Twitter is is pretty um, eye opening I'll tell you that much. Um, sure, where do we start? What is your background? Um, well, I, I uh, graduated from medical school in uh, January this year, and. Uh, uh, Three days later, I started working in the, the emergency room of one of the hospitals here in Stockholm and um, had uh, basically two normal months. And then uh, COVID hit Sweden and, uh, and uh, suddenly I was, uh, uh, I guess, knee deep in COVID patients. And um, that lasted for about... Uh, a month or two and then uh, I started seeing less and less and uh, uh, they really seemed to uh, to disappear and then there were several months where I, I, I didn't see a single COVID patient and um, now the last month or two there's been a kind of a, a resurgence I guess you could call it it's not at the same level it was in the spring but I mean but uh, but uh, there there is well definitely a second wave. I guess you'd call it an autumn wave. It's it's pretty clear at this point that COVID uh, is a seasonal virus. So I think that explains why the virus seemed to disappear in summer and why it's yeah. 
why it's uh, resurging now in the autumn. Well, okay, so let's let's go back a few steps. Um, Sweden is sort of this poster boy um, in world media. Uh, the the establishment loves to hate Sweden because uh, you didn't uh, your country didn't go into this lockdown that that my country South Africa went into the UK US just about everywhere around the world. Um, it seems as if you and Taiwan were pretty much the only countries that were level-headed. Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, we did, um, I think the, the main difference between Sweden and a lot of other countries is that uh, the Swedish uh, constitution kind of uh, prohibits the government from uh, from doing any severe kind of lockdown measures. So yeah. uh, I, I think that's the main reason for the for for the difference that uh, uh, in Sweden the all the measures I mean there have still been measures there have been recommendations that people uh, keep six feet apart work from home as much as possible try to avoid public transport it's, I think the main difference is that that uh, the measures have been voluntary because the state in Sweden doesn't have that kind of power to to uh, enforce these things by law. Although, if you look at the media now, um, it would it would appear that uh, Sweden is going into lockdown measures. I, I think uh, what you're seeing uh, in your country is uh, grossly exaggerated. Like I said, uh, the Swedish state is limited. I mean, uh, earlier today I was sitting in a cafe it was uh, full of people. No one was wearing masks. It really felt like a, a normal Saturday afternoon. I, I mean, mm. I, I th most people. I think the Swedish government has been um, panicking a bit when they've seen uh, numbers increasing, and especially because I think most Swedes, at least here in Stockholm where I live, aren't really afraid anymore like they were in the spring and so people aren't as uh, good at following the precautions mm. so the Swedish government has been kind of taking a, a slightly more aggressive uh, stance than they did in spring but they're still limited by the constitution they're, they're, they can't enforce a lockdown of the kind uh, that you have in many other countries how bad is is um is covid actually in sweden i mean do we excuse me do we believe what it says on on cnn's website um well i don't the i mean i mean in sweden we have a situation where hospitals are chronically kind of understaffed we we have a situation where we always uh where the hospitals are always uh, at 100% capacity. There are never any spare beds. So, I mean, from that perspective, the situation we have now is the same as the situation we always have. Mm. Um, and, but, I mean, there aren't patients lining corridors. We still have uh, spare rooms and uh, spare beds in ICUs. Um, the, the hospital I work has about... 650 beds total 
and of those about 100 are currently taken by covid patients so i mean it's uh, I, it's not like the system mm. is collapsing that's kind of a gross exaggeration and i mean you're in stockholm so you're in you're in the epicenter yeah i mean if you go by the statistics uh, stockholm is the worst hit part of sweden and apparently the worst in the scandinavian countries why is that um well i mean stockholm is the biggest city in scandinavia it's uh, um uh, I, I think stockholm is the city with the, the most international travel it has a uh, public transport system that is uh, much more heavily used than the public transport systems in, in say Oslo and uh, mm. and, and um, Copenhagen. I think uh, there are a lot of uh, reasons why Stockholm is hit worse uh, than, than our neighboring capital cities. So I read, um, <clears throat> I read somewhere on the internet. I forget now. I, f- I follow a number of a number of um, sort of uh, medical um, analysts and experts, etc. And a number of them have said that by the end of this year, Sweden's going to end up with no excess deaths. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that it speaks to the fact that uh, COVID does not have a very high mortality i mean uh, even the who is saying that the overall mortality is below 0.2 percent um and uh, the average age of people who die of covid is 84 here in sweden it's and and it's it's i mean it's not healthy 84 year olds that are dying it's uh, people with a lot of comorbidities people who don't have a lot of life expectancy half of our deaths here in sweden have been in nursing homes and and the average uh, life expectancy on arrival in a nursing home is less than a year so i mean i think uh, this is a disease that's killing that's primarily killing very frail people who are going to die in the near future regardless and that's why why we're not actually Mm. seeing any excess mortality and and i think uh, at, I mean, at the moment, there is no excess mortality in the statistics, and and I think that's probably going to be the case two months or one month from now, um, at the beginning of 2021. That uh, that uh, COVID, I mean, there there's not going to be any deadly pandemic visible mm-hmm. in the mortality statistics at the end of the year. Not just Sweden, but probably the whole world once the once the actual data has been analyzed properly yeah i i think that's probably true um and if if sweden is sitting with with no excess mortality um that correct me if i'm wrong but that would indicate that everything was within upper and lower bounds it was all expected and nothing unusual yeah i i mean uh, we I, if you look at uh, how many, I mean, we did have a two-month period where there mm. was excess mortality in the spring mm. when the virus hit hard. But uh, I mean, if you look at the overall death rate since since May, it's very much in line with the with the average for the last couple of years. So I mean, from I mean, if you're just looking at that, 
at overall mortality, it's clear that the, the pandemic ended months ago. Yeah, well, let's talk about that for a second. Um, the, the WHO changed the definition of pandemic during the H1N1 outbreak. Um, I'm of the opinion, uh, Doctor, that using the pre-2009 definition, uh, this wouldn't have been a pandemic. Uh, am I wrong for for thinking that? Uh, I don't. I don't know personally. I haven't uh, looked into exactly how the WHO is choosing to define pandemics. But uh, it, I mean, if you look at the the number of people who have died, uh, COVID is really no worse than a severe flu season of the kind we have maybe once every ten, fifteen years. Yeah, I mean, which kind of brings us to the the elephant in the room, which is the lockdowns. I mean, they've been completely unnecessary. I'm sure you you would agree. Well, I mean, if there was, uh, I think if you're going to do something as extreme as a lockdown, you have to weigh the benefits against the harms. And I mean, you have you can't just look at mortality from one specific viral disease. You have mm. to look at all all the different uh, positive and negative consequences um, um, and and my feeling is that they haven't done that because the there's really no evidence that uh, lockdowns are effective and yeah and there's i mean it, it was clear from the start that this was going to cause a lot of harm i mean even if you just look uh, from an economic perspe- perspective what happens if you shut down an economy and force people to yeah. shut down their businesses for six months and uh, and uh, i i mean that's just one side of it what what happens if you shut down all kind of elective care all elective surgery um for for six months or a year and and my feeling is that no one looked at the big picture when when the decisions to lock down were made and i think Lockdowns were maybe sensible at the beginning when we didn't know how bad this was or how bad it was going to get. But now that it's clear that this is, for most people, not a very severe disease, um, the the lockdown measures are really totally out of proportion in relation to the size of the threat. There's a question here for you. Uh, how How is the Swedish media... Um, reporting on this pandemic because if if we were to believe uh, CNN and Sky and BBC um, you guys are having a terrible time hmm. um, well I, I, throughout the pandemic the Swedish media have been behaving uh, a lot like the media in other countries I mean I guess they want to sell newspapers and they want to get attention and so they have an interest in in scaremongering in, in right. keep making people afraid and I think if uh, even in Sweden if you're getting all your information from mainstream uh, media sources you, there is quite likely that you're going to be afraid right I, I mean you haven't been afraid you personally no because uh, well uh, uh, 
because I see I see what's what's happening in the hospital, and because uh, I haven't really been getting my uh, information from the media, I've been going straight to the sources, looking at uh, what the what are the statistics actually showing. Mm. So I'm I haven't been getting my information filtered by someone else. I've been looking at firsthand data, and I think that's caused me to. Um, get a different perspective from from a lot of other people do you think that uh, that your government handled it well uh, i i happen to think that your government was brilliant but i'd like to know what your thoughts are um well in the first wave they kind of took a step back which which they're supposed to be in uh, sweden uh, government agencies are uh, they're supposed to run themselves and the government is not supposed to interfere in the day-to-day running and and so I think they did what they're supposed to do which is step back and let the mm. the professionals do their job and um, they haven't really been able to do that in this second wave. I, I've been getting the sense that the Swedish government is now during the second wave panicking and is is uh, kind of leaning or trying to lean more on the public health authority um so i well i think the swedish government did the right thing the first time round and now i'm i'm i haven't made my mind up about whether i think they're doing a good job or not why do you think they're panicking i mean a second wave seems to align itself with flu season you you are entering winter well i can't really speculate uh, um, um, I think maybe they maybe they thought that maybe it's just worse. Mm. Maybe the second wave is just worse than they thought it would be. And and uh, I can imagine that they're also uh, under a lot of pressure from from outside Sweden, from other governments, from international organizations to kind of get in line with what everyone else is doing. I mean, it's kind of. I guess it's kind of been an embarrassment to to other mm. countries that Sweden's not towing the line and and isn't doing markedly worse than other countries. Right. What was Sweden's uh, mortality a year ago uh, during flu season? Because what's what's your numbers now? Five thousand, six thousand, somewhere there. Um, I think yeah, at the moment we have about six thousand five hundred COVID deaths. Right. Um, I I don't have the numbers for how many died in the last uh, flu season, but like I said, if you if instead of looking at uh, disease specific mortality, you look at overall mortality, mm. then so far this year, it's normal. Uh, it's normal. It's in line with previous years. There was a two month peak in April and May, a sharp peak. Mm. Um, but if you look at the whole year, it's uh, it's it's in line with the pre- previous years. Okay, tell me a little bit about your experience in the hospital uh, with with actual COVID, uh, because I'm not a doctor, um, and again, I keep I keep going back to the hysteria in the media. But the the pictures it started out with people dropping dead like zombies in Wuhan in China, and then and then we get pictures coming out of CNN uh, uh, with people in their hazmat suits looking like astronauts, and it looks very scary and apocalyptic. Tell me about your experience. Um, 
Well, first time round, we didn't know how dangerous this was. We didn't know how infectious it was. Um, and so we, we were taking a lot of precautions. When I went in to see patients, I was wearing a military grade gas mask. Um, <laughs> and uh, I mean, I'm not doing that anymore. Now uh, I just have, uh, uh, when I go in to see patients, I just have a face shield. I don't even have a, a mask. And, and that's kind of standard in Swedish hospitals, or at least in Stockholm hospitals. At the mm. moment. So um, there's kind of, I guess, been a recognition that um, it's not as dangerous as we feared at the beginning, and uh, probably not as infectious as we was we thought at the beginning. I mean, I've uh, based on based on the fact that. Uh, Experts around the world earlier on were kind of agreed that the, this uh, virus wasn't uh, behaving in a seasonal manner, that it didn't seem to be a seasonal virus. Um, when I saw that the, the first wave was just uh, going down and down and down, and uh, that kind of uh, made me think, well, I guess we must have reached a point of herd immunity. What else can explain it? It's not a seasonal virus. So the fact that we're entering summer can't be the explanation. Um, uh, but now uh, when we started to get this uh, second wave, once the weather turned cold, it became clear that that uh, that COVID is highly seasonal. And um, um, and, and uh, the thing that was f is funny that I thought, well, I guess we must have all been infected. We must have a high rate mm. of uh, immunity. But then kind of at the beginning of the autumn, um, some of my colleagues got infected. And I was like, how, how, how did you not get infected in the first wave? Right. You've been seeing, you're spending your whole days interacting with COVID patients. Um, and, and that kind of got me to think, well, I guess... I guess this virus isn't as infectious as we thought. And I think mm. this second wave kind of shows it because um, nowhere near as uh, many people became infected in the first in the first wave as, as we thought. And, and even uh, Anders Tegnell, the head of the Swedish uh, mm. COVID response, said he was uh, he, he said to the media two weeks ago that um, that uh, that he had underestimated the level of uh, immunity that had built up in spring, and 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 I also underestimated that. It's uh, so it's, it's clearly not as super super infectious as we thought it was, since uh, people have been able to work for months in, in the emergency room, seeing only COVID patients all day, and still haven't been infected, and mm. then they've gone and gotten infected in the second wave. It's almost as if doctor that we can't hide from a virus um yeah well i i think that's true it's uh, uh so um the u.s uh, marine corps did a study um <coughs> where they did they did basically uh, an extremely hard uh, uh kind of quarantine of new recruits um, they were supposed to stay at home, not interact with anyone for two weeks before even coming to start their training. And then once they started training, they were um, 
maintaining physical distancing at all times, wearing masks at all times, except when eating and sleeping, um, constantly cleaning surfaces. Um, and, and in spite of this, uh, the virus was still able to get in and was still able to spread effectively. And I think that just shows that <clears throat> um, it's, it's very hard to, to, uh, to stop a virus spreading. Do you wear a, a mask uh, when you're not at work? No, I, th I mean, there are some people who <laughs> wear masks voluntarily when they're out in public, but uh, I would say more than 95% don't, and I don't, because I think uh, there's no good evidence that masks work. And, yes. And, and the good high-quality evidence that does exist suggests that if they have any effect, it's uh, extremely marginal at best. And I, I read this week... Um a paper, funnily enough, uh, one of the authors, Fauci, um, suggesting that uh, bacterial pneumonia um, is actually something, and it could also be linked to um, in increased periods of time uh, with a mask on. Okay, I haven't seen that. That's interesting. Um, uh, well, I, I think it's... Uh probably walking around wearing a mask that's causing you to retain carbon dioxide <clears throat> yeah. might not be the best thing for you um and, and maybe it's not that big a deal but i mean it's worth considering potential negative effects of of a mask especially mm. if the the potential positive effects are, are as small as they seem to be from the the highest quality evidence um you you said earlier that the hospitals are always at full capacity. Um, the, so what what ha what happened during sort of the COVID um, outbreak? Did they did they reallocate wards? Um, yeah. So two things happened in the first wave. Um, all elective surgery was cancelled. And this freed up a lot of beds, uh, orthopedic wards, surgical wards could uh, mm. pretty much <clears throat> switch to being pure COVID wards. Um, and, and, and also the, the, there were a number of, or there were two emergency hospitals open, one in uh, Stockholm and one in Gothenburg with uh, I think uh, one or two thousand beds and, and maybe a hundred extra ICU beds too. Um, but uh, those never ended up being used. So, I mean, just this kind of reallocation mm. uh, of, of surgical wards to becoming COVID wards was enough to handle the situation. The, these extra field hospitals never, never ended up needing to be yeah. used. There's a new buzzword. Doc, that's going around. Long COVID. Tell me a bit about that. Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, it, it's not a clinical diagnosis. It's uh, something that people uh, have diagnosed themselves with. And, and I mean, there's no, um, no good research uh, to uh, to suggest that it's any kind of distinct 
disease state. Um, mm. So, I mean, we know already that uh, after a respiratory viral infection, some people get um, uh, something get something we call post-viral syndrome, which is right. kind of uh, feeling tired for for an extended period of time, maybe having some muscle aches. Um, and uh, for the vast majority of people, it clears up after a couple of months. Um, and and I think, I mean, that could be part of what people are identifying as long COVID. But mm. uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's like I said, it's not something that it's not a diagnosis that's been created by doctors. And it, yeah. doctors aren't diagnosing patients with long COVID. It's people who are diagnosing themselves with it. So it's, uh, I mean, it's really whatever the person who says they have long COVID says it is. Um, Sebastian, did anybody in Sweden get flu this year? Uh, not yet, but uh, it's, it's early, early times yet. So the, the flu season hasn't uh, started yet and it doesn't normally start in Sweden until uh, December, so we'll see if if there is a flu season or not. Well, I mean, here in South Africa, um, COVID miraculously destroyed flu. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's kind of been the situation all around the world. That uh, once COVID uh, appeared, the flu seemed to disappear completely. And isn't that isn't that, that was... just coincidental? Hey. <laughs> Yeah, I, it's uh, strange. Uh, I can't really explain it. Um, maybe, maybe people are. Uh, I mean, the, the thing. Uh, I don't know how much people understand of how like medical tests work, but I mean, it's not like we can just mm. test for all viruses. When when someone comes in and we suspect they have something, we can test we can test for the specific thing that we think they might have. And and uh, if we think, well, maybe they have one of these five things, we can test for those five things. But uh, um, it, it, during the COVID pandemic, it, when someone comes in with respiratory symptoms, mm. for the most part, we've only tested for COVID. We haven't been tested right. for anything else. So, I mean, it, it could be that... Um, that uh, there's a lot of influenza and other viral infections that are being missed just because mm. we're not testing for them. We're only testing for COVID. Well, speaking of which, I mean, what is your view on, on PCR testing? Um, <clears throat> I think uh, it has a role in uh, in a clinical setting. I mean, as a doctor, whenever you take a test, there has to be a reason for taking it. It has to be because it changes something. If uh, if taking a certain test isn't going to change anything, if it's not going to change what mm. you do with the patient, mm -hmm. then it's a, it's it's a meaningless test, and it's just kind of a waste of. Uh, uh, money and then since the Swedish healthcare system is funded by taxpayers it's a waste of taxpayer money right so I think the COVID test the COVID PCR test fills a function in the hospital um, uh, if if we think it's gonna change something like uh, well now we have uh, 
strict isolation for COVID patients. And, and um, so in that kind of situation, it can make sense to take the test. Um, but uh, I don't think it makes sense for for screening purposes, and I don't think it makes sense for people who are just being sent home who uh, who have mild symptoms because it doesn't mm. testing them isn't going to change anything. So mm. it's it's really just a waste of of money. And also, I mean, every test has a, a scope for both false negatives and false positives, and. And if you're testing people and the probability mm. that they really have COVID is very low, like say in a screening program, I mean, the probability that that you're giving them a false positive diagnosis becomes quite big. And, and, and then it's, uh, then you really have to weigh, does it make sense to tell someone they have COVID, um, when there's only say a 50% chance or a 30% chance that they really have it. Uh, I mean, it, it, the calculation becomes much more complex. So I think the, on, the only situation where it really makes sense is in the hospital setting, if you think it's going to change your <clears throat> management of the patient. And so I think this kind of mass screening that's happening all around the world, including Sweden, it's, it's, it's kind of ludicrous. Yeah. What are your views? Um, I've got a question here asking your views on on sort of the bigger picture. Do you think there's something going on? Someone's mentioned uh, the WEF and the Great Reset. And these are these are questions now that everybody around the world are, um, are kind of asking. Um, honestly, no, I think people are just dumb. <laughs> 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 and that goes for politicians too. <clears throat> Uh, and and I think uh, they kind of uh, let themselves be drawn into this by China and China's extremely harsh lockdown right. early in the year, and then um, um, and then they ended up uh, digging themselves into a hole. And uh, uh, and in order to save face, I think they've just kept digging mm. because uh, they don't want to admit that uh, they made some mistakes. So what do you think is the best response to a pandemic? Um, well, I think, I think uh, the way Sweden's handled it uh, is the most sensible. Uh, mm. Try to protect people who are members Vulnerable. of risk groups. Let uh, people who aren't members of risk groups get on with their lives and, and, and try to look at the big picture. And, uh, and I mean, there are things that are easy to see to do like recommend that people uh try to keep distance uh, if they need to sneeze or cough do it uh, <clears throat> in your elbow not in in people's faces and and try to spread out in public transport I mean, mm. there are things that are sensible and easy and don't cause uh cause uh, a huge amount of harm but uh, when you're when you're doing these more extreme measures like uh, shutting down big parts of the economy or forcing people to stay isolated uh you really have to think carefully is 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 the benefit bigger than the harm and uh, and uh, i guess that's what hasn't happened outside of sweden so do you think this season is going to be a, a bigger concern for the pop 
for the population of Sweden, or do you think the Swedes have just uh, flipped the bird, given the middle finger, and said, you know what, we're going to get on with our lives? My feeling here in Stockholm is that, uh, I mean, I don't know, I can't speak for the rest of the country because mm. I only see my own immediate reality. But right. what I see here is that most people are living normally. Uh, most people do not seem very afraid. I think people were afraid at the beginning of the first mm. wave, but then they saw that this this uh, isn't that dangerous. And I think, I guess, people, there's this kind of lockdown fatigue too and even even though we haven't had a real lockdown in Sweden I think people are also here kind of sick of sick of covid and they just want to get on with their lives um what do you what what goes through your mind when you turn on the tv and you see people being arrested for breaking lockdown rules and you're seeing all these protests occurring i mean i, I live in a country where we have ridiculous lockdown rules um thankfully we don't we haven't really had any of that kind of violence yet that you see happening in the states and in the uk uh, what goes to your mind when you see that um well it's a completely different reality you're living in to mm. the one i'm living in it's uh, i i'm here in sweden i'm able to live my life uh like i always have as i see fit and mm. and there are recommendations but uh, i mean there's very little force. So uh, you're really living in a completely different reality from the one I'm living in. And I guess it's uh, even uh, though I've seen on in media and seen on Twitter, it's, it's uh, I guess, uh, hard to believe what's it, happening in the rest of the world. It is hard to believe. And it's still hard to believe being in a country that um, that just ignores the data. The government literally ignores the data, uh, the real data. They maintain this position of hysteria. Uh, they don't look at the big picture, like, you know, 99.97% survival rate. They, they just talk about increased um, cases and increased infections and hospitals overflowing. And I don't buy a lot of that. And... I'm sure any sane person shouldn't buy buy any of that, but we get called denialists and we get called names and all kinds of things. That doesn't happen where you are, hey? Um, um, well, the, I mean, there are people in Sweden who have been demanding harsh lockdowns all along. Uh, mm. And... Uh, I mean, Swedish media has been much more like global media in that sense. I mean, mm. uh, a lot of uh, members of the establishment uh, here have been also calling for severe lockdowns. And I think uh, I, I really I don't think Swedish politicians are smarter or wiser than politicians in other countries. I think the main reason uh, this hasn't <clears throat> happened here is just because we have strong constitutional protections that, yeah. that make it much harder. Um, but there's something coming. We haven't mentioned it yet. The vaccine. Now, what are your views on that? 
Well, I'm an inherently, uh, I'm not anti-vaccine in any way. I am rather the opposite. I'm inherently pro-vaccines. Uh, um, and I mean, I think uh, they probably saved more lives than any other mm. medical intervention in human history. Um, I was skeptical that uh, there was going to be an effective vaccine within a year because uh, no one's ever developed a vaccine in anywhere close to that time frame before. But uh, and I mean, we don't have trial data at this point. We have uh, yeah. some press releases, but mm -hmm. but the the data so far is promising. I mean, uh, if uh, so, these uh, vaccines. Uh, uh, the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine, they both uh, seem to have more than 90% uh, efficacy. I didn't think uh, we were going to come anywhere close to that. If So, I mean, if that's true, that's great. And, and I, I mean, I uh, personally, I don't think I'm at uh, risk, any risk of severe COVID. So, um, uh, I'm not going to take the vaccine without first uh, seeing that there is good safety data. Um, I would like to see several months worth of good safety data before I'm willing to take the vaccine myself. But uh, if you're like, if you're over 70, if you're a member of a risk group um, and, and the early data suggests it's safe and effective, then and, and that, that can allow countries to leave lockdown and people to start living their lives normally, then I think it's great that, uh, that, um, that uh, people who are at higher risk uh, vaccinate themselves. And I hope the vaccine turns out to be as effective as it seems to be from these press releases. Do you think it's necessary, though? I mean, the, now that we've seen no. that... Well, I mean... Uh, <laughs> We have uh, multiple other respiratory viruses floating around mm. in our society all the time, and uh, we've never bothered to try. I mean, most of the common cold viruses, the the they can also kill old, frail people, um, and the common cold coronaviruses. If they they get into nursing homes, they can also spread through them and kill. Uh, uh, five to seven percent there have been uh, studies of this earlier so i mean in that sense covid doesn't seem to be markedly worse than than these mm. other so-called common cold viruses so i don't see why we're so obsessed with creating a vaccine for this one virus when we've never bothered to try creating a vaccine for these other viruses i mean if it mm. was this easy to create a, a vaccine for a coronavirus why haven't we had vaccines for the other four so-called common cold uh, coronaviruses for decades? That could probably also, yeah. I mean, save lives. Yeah, but I mean, it almost seems like it's a waste, a waste of resources. The French, French uh, infectious disease um, specialist, what's his name, Doctor Didier Raoul. Uh, he he argues that it's a waste of um, resources to try and develop a vaccine uh, for for COVID, and he's pretty much echoing what you just said. Well, I think uh, this money that's been spent developing a COVID vaccine could probably have been spent um, mm -hmm. far more effectively. 
on something else, something that uh, saved more lives, that right. saved more years of life. I, I mean, I don't doubt it because mm. COVID is a virus that kills kills people at the very end of life. So, I mean, um, the, when you give a child a measles vaccine, you're potentially saving 80 years of life in one person. But when you, if you give an 84-year-old uh, uh, a COVID vaccine, a, a very sick 84-year-old, I mean, even if the vaccine is highly effective, you're saving at most at most a year, maybe. And I mean, this is uh, the the problem with not looking at the big picture. We're spending in Sweden. We have this um, system that we're not uh, the, the since it's uh, taxpayer funded our healthcare system. Uh, we're not supposed to spend more than. Um, 500,000 Swedish crowns, which is, um, I guess, 50,000 US dollars, something like that, per per year of life saved. And, uh, and, and I think the cost for this vaccine per year of life saved is going to be astronomical. It's going to be way beyond these 500,000 crowns. And then the question is, why are we willing to spend so much more on COVID than we are to spend on any other medical condition because that's that's not logical. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Uh, I've never taken a flu vaccine in my life, for example. I'm not I'm not anti vaccination per se, but I've never taken a flu vac uh, vaccine. Have you? Um, no, I mean, uh, in Sweden. I know there are countries like the US where everyone is constantly getting flu vaccines, but in Sweden, flu vaccines are usually reserved for mm. for members of risk groups. So I've never taken a flu vaccine. I've got a question for you here. Um, Dr. Rushworth reiterates the global overreaction uh, is just is unjustified. Does he believe the global coordination is a practice run for a veritable pandemic in the future? In other words, is this a practice run? Could it be a practice run? Uh, well, uh, I want to think that th this is the situation, that um, in a few years from now, it's going to be very clear that uh, this was uh, a case of global mass hysteria and mm. that the harms were far, far bigger than any benefits. And in light of this, uh, no one is going to do any more severe lockdowns next time a virus like COVID comes around. I mean, so if we had a global Ebola outbreak or something really deadly, mm. a, a global zombie virus outbreak, mm. maybe these kind of extreme measures would make sense. But, but uh, they don't make sense for a virus that kills fewer than one in 500 infected people. And, and I think it's going to become very clear that this was a mistake mm. and uh, maybe the current generation of politicians can't admit it, but they're going to be replaced in, in a few years. And the people who come after them are going to be more willing to um, speak the truth. Um, you've got some fans in the comments after your mention of zombies. Tell me something just quickly off topic. Um, the money spent on developing this vaccine could have been spent on 
a, a, a zombie vaccine, an anti-zombie apocalypse vaccine. <laughs> do you watch? Do you watch any of those zombie type movies? <laughs> I love zombie movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, quick question. Quick question. If there was a zombie outbreak and you were the only survivor, where would you where would you go? Um, I guess I'd try to find an island somewhere, uh, ideally somewhere with some uh, farmland, and uh, <laughs> and then hope the zombies can't swim. You know, <laughs> I heard that zombies can swim. <laughs> oh well. I guess there's nowhere safe though. <laughs> um, okay. Um, uh, I wanted to ask you about um, the the response that that Sweden had, or had, or in the first phase, shall we say? And uh, how do we how do we get that um, response across into other countries how do we change the mindset that sweden did the correct thing as opposed to doing the incorrect thing i mean you saw that in that opening clip how the media was trying to make sweden look bad how do we go about changing that mindset well i mean i think the truth is the truth and uh, and the truth will out in the end and uh, it might take a few years but when uh, um, when the people who are uh, in control of the narrative at the moment are gone, they're going to be replaced by people who don't uh, who don't have anything personal invested in this. And uh, and I think eventually the truth is going to come out. And and uh, I mean, ten, twenty years from now, it, I think the general discussion around covid is going to be 2020 was the year when when the world lost its mind and mm. sweden was the only sane country in the whole world and taiwan yeah and taiwan and, and as i understand it there are some other countries that haven't really done really severe strict lockdowns um like japan for example so mm. But I guess Sweden's gotten all the attention because it's the only country in kind of the the Western uh, world that that hasn't been doing severe lockdown. So now that your country is going into flu season, and well, all countries on your on your side of the equator are going into flu season. Um, what what is the reasonable? thing to do now uh, um we, we 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 talk a lot about the big picture and what governments are doing but is there is there a, a need to uh socially distance and to do all these things or should should people just live their lives normally um well i I think it, it's. Uh, I think it, it's reasonable to uh, kind of take sensible precautions. Uh, maybe I mean, maybe uh, people have in, in certain ways been too lax. I mean, uh, uh, earlier years about. Uh, I mean, 
like uh, doctors generally go to work even if they're sick and it's mm. kind of a, a cultural thing and and maybe covid will result in some kind of shift in the culture that well if you're sick you shouldn't be going to work because you're going to infect other people and mm. and so i mean maybe the i mean we can't have these kinds of restrictions long term but uh, maybe uh, it's maybe some kind of uh, change in general behavior uh, is uh, does make sense not specifically for covid but just for for infections in in general i mean uh, every year we have a flu season maybe if people were a bit more careful it it would be a little bit milder i mean it's hard to say without uh, good study data which which mm. we don't have at this point what about uh the um uh the diamond princess i mean that was a, a pretty good case study <clears throat> um yeah well i, I mean uh, it kind of showed right even from the beginning that covid is obviously not a very deadly virus um, mm. uh, so i mean if everyone had uh, uh just uh, listen to that and then uh, maybe we wouldn't be in the situation that we're in right now yeah well i mean you say that i, I think if people had their way and not the um political authorities i think uh, there'd be a lot more freedom and we'd probably have the same mortality rates more or less maybe even even better I suspect that all these lockdowns have caused um, unnecessary stress and, dare I say, deaths. I think that's likely. Um, uh, and, uh, I mean, the the science, the studies that are done so far show that lockdowns are completely ineffective. Mm. So I think uh, I don't... The countries that have gone into severe lockdowns, I don't think they've accomplished anything. I don't think they've saved any lives. Mm. Um, 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 yeah. Can I tell you something absolutely ridiculous? And mm. this is true. I um, got off the airplane a few days ago, but when I boarded the airplane, inside, inside the airplane, putting my luggage into the compartment above, there's a, a message that comes through on the PA system saying that we must still adhere to social distancing protocol. How, how messed up is that? That's pretty funny, especially considering that you're all sitting together in a steel can, uh, breathing the same recycled air. Well, we had to sit with masks on for the entire flight, which is also ridiculous. But again, it, it doesn't make sense. All of this doesn't make sense. It's people just making up rules as they go along because they don't know what to do. Yeah, and a lot of this, it's uh, it's things that seem to make sense if you just think about them superficially, but often things that make sense superficially mm. don't actually work when Correct. you do uh, good quality studies. And I think all the data we have now all the highest quality data shows that uh, the measures in place, the masks, they really have little or no effect at all in terms of uh, 
diminishing spread of the virus. So let's, I mean, we, we're coming in now for the last couple of minutes, but let's, let's just get one thing straight. Sweden is not this hellhole that the media is making it out to be. Right. Is that, is that true? Uh, that's definitely true. <laughs> right. Fantastic. The next thing is lockdowns are stupid. They don't work. That's my personal belief, yes. Yeah, well, I agree with you. <laughs> I'm just trying to get you to nod along with me. <laughs> yeah. um, and just so that YouTube doesn't ban this video, we must say things like, the WHO is amazing and everything they say is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, uh, YouTube doesn't like d dissent. So no, we like it's completely bizarre, actually, that they're censoring... Uh uh, debate around how to deal with this virus. I mean, mm. it's it's completely completely bizarre. I I, I can't believe it's happening. It's uh, I I I don't know what what they're thinking or how they think they're helping. I mean, uh, by uh, kind of contributing to the destruction of democracy when they uh, when they kind of hinder free speech and free discussion. Exactly right, yeah. Um, if you had one thing to say now to, to my audience, what, what would it be? Um, I think uh, people should uh, be hopeful that uh, there isn't a big uh, conspiracy going on, that uh, it's just the case that your politicians are dumb. And that eventually they're gonna realize that what they're doing isn't very smart and and the situation is gonna kind of resolve itself um uh, i i mean i don't think i don't think this is a conscious power grab mm. um i think it's just uh, i think it's just that the politicians don't really know what they're doing well, that's also very true. That I'll that I'll that I'll drink to. <laughs> um, Doctor Sebastian Rushworth, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Um, thank you for your time. And I want to say I wish you all the best, but you should be wishing me all the best. Definitely, I do wish you all the best. <laughs> <laughs> all right, have a good evening further, and uh, thank you everybody for uh, for watching. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas.